Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Adrian Lizer. He's Jay Catch. You can follow us on Twitter at AVLizer or at JacobCatch. If you're a big uh, Cougars fan, Jake does the Locked On Cougars podcast every single day. Mm-hmm. So we want to get the latest on BYU football, other sports as well, including soccer, who are making a big run yep. uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Donovan Mitchell went to a BYU soccer game yeah, earlier they're, this they're week. Playing Louisville, yeah, playing Louisville, so he's going to support his alma mater. And the biggest news today, I think, BYU-wise, is that men's cross-country. Uh, they've yes. been three years. Uh, Northern Arizona has kind of just been like this gigantic roadblock. They haven't been able to get around. They conquered and they slayed the Goliath today and won their first national championship as a program. So congratulations to the men's cross country out of big BYU. time. Congratulations! It's always uh, I know we talk about the main, uh, you know, the big sports, the mm-hmm. the revenue generating, yes. as they say, but uh, that's huge to get a national title in any sport. So congratulations to yeah. BYU men's cross country, and I think the women's took second, second correct? place. Yeah. So a uh, big day for cross country down there at BYU. Yep. Um, some scores around the country: Jake, number sixteen, Notre Dame. They are up 13-7 to on Boston College at home. Number 24, App State. They are taking on Texas State. They're up 14-10 to in that one. Notre Dame screwing around with Boston College yep. is weird because Boston College has been bad this year. Yeah, they uh, somehow have five wins. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Texas A&M on the road at number four, Georgia. Uh, Texas A&M has the ball. They are down 3-0. Georgia up early in that one. Michigan and the fighting Jack Tuttles of Indiana. The Jack Tuttles that haven't played. Yes, uh, that's (laughs) 7-7 there. Michigan with the ball. Baylor and Texas underway. Number 14, Baylor coming off their first loss of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, USC hosting UCLA. UCLA has the 7-3 lead in that one. SMU and Navy tied at zero. The big game of the day, 28-17, Ohio State, the victory over Penn State. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had a 21-0 lead. All of a sudden, like that, it was 21-14, but uh, they win 28-17. Yeah, so Ohio State, they did muck it up a little bit in the middle of the game, but Credit to them. They finished it out. They, they stay undefeated. They're going to stay in that top three. I think there's a very clear top three of the college football playoff rankings right yep. now. That fourth spot is what I think everybody's kind of racing for right yep. now. Yep, and we'll get into that later because I have uh, I'm very strong in my belief that this is the year where it should only be conference champions in the discussion. It very for, well could be, yeah. Um, for any of those four spots. Number five, Alabama. They played Western Carolina. Have you heard of them? I have heard of Western Carolina, but this is your typical Alabama Week 13 opponent. Yes, 66-3. to three. Uh, Number 10, Minnesota. They beat up on Northwestern on the road, 38-22. to 22. Your Gophers still rolling. Still rolling. Uh, responding well to a letdown last week. Uh, Auburn beats Samford. The Terriers? Samford the Bulldogs? Bulldogs, yeah. Uh, 52-0. to zero. Iowa 19-10 over Illinois. Oklahoma State escapes West Virginia 20-13. to 13, And Iowa State beats... Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks, 41-31. to 31. 
Sweet. So uh, those are some of your top 25 scores from around the country. Right now, we're going to switch over to the Jazz again, and we're going to let you hear from Joe Ingles, who uh, this obviously was before last night's game yes. on Thursday as he joins DJ PK every week. But it's worth listening to. has a lot of great insight, especially uh, coming from his new role on the team. Uh, he had a nice night last night. Uh, but here's that conversation, DJ and PK and the Joe Ingles Show on the Zone Sports Network. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz, Jingle Bells, Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, the master of time, space, and dimension. Yes, it's the Joe Ingles Show once again on 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Joe Ingles Show. Brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Joe, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I've, I've, right. heard, I've heard of positionless basketball, and I know it's a, a trend we've been talking about forever, and it's getting more true as more people are switching everything. But, man, watching you... You and Carl Anthony Towns go at it. How often do you play center in your life? <laughs> I, can't, I can't say I've done that very often. Um, or or guard at a center. But um, I guess, yeah, kind of like you said, that the game is very different. Um, I mean, even just from, just from last year to this year, Towns was playing the four. Um, I think you had Taj Gibson starting next to him and um, at the five, and yeah, everyone's kind of moving up a position and making it smaller. So um, I think I don't think there's many teams. I think we were probably one of the the last teams. I always remember the obviously the Memphis with Gasol and Randolph, and then I think us with Rudy and Fave were kind of the one of the kind of last teams to really do it. And then um, yeah, everyone's. I mean, there's been times where we've played. Um, obviously, Jeff at the five this year. Jeff was a three man a few years ago so um yeah it's just kind of the way it is the, the way the game's going a little bit is he the biggest not, and not necessarily just tallest or longest but he is he the biggest strongest most athletic guy you've ever been asked to match up with um i guess if you are referring to like actually where coaches said to me hey go and guard this guy um he's obviously I don't know what they list him at. He probably got listed a bit shorter like everyone else, but um, obviously near seven foot and kind of plays like a guard, really. He, yeah. he kind of sh- he shoots. I think he's second in the league. We were saying in our scouting report, he, I think he's second in the league of three-pointers made. So it's pretty impressive for a, for a center. And um, yeah, like I said, it's kind of changing the game a little bit. So it's uh, you just got to figure out each night and each way, figure out a way to win. And um, we're obviously able to do that from the first game to the second game against them. Yeah. So uh, in your mind, what was the biggest difference between games one and two in this little mini-series, mini-matchup with Minnesota? 
Um, I mean, I think Rudy, I don't know what you want to call it, adjusted maybe. Um, I think Towns is one of those kind of unique players in the league that you've got to play differently to other guys, to different standards, to, to, to different guards. And um, I think even Rudy would say he's probably had a bit, bit, a bit too much space and like I guess the way we play, Rudy's usually protecting the rim, but for him to have to be up there was different. And um, obviously he watched it and learned pretty quickly from that first game. I think he shot 15 threes in the first game. I don't know how many he shot last night, but it, maybe four or five. Um, Rudy did a, a hell of a job of um, making it really tough on him. Uh, I remember looking up at one point um, and he had like three or four points or something and it was in the third quarter. So Rudy... Rudy did an amazing job on him. I think for us, offensively, I think when when you make shots, um, it takes a bit of pressure off your off your defense. And, and we were able to make shots last night, um, which took a bit of pressure off. But then we, yeah, we were able to get some stops too. And like I said, slowing down Towns is obviously a pretty important part of their team. You know, I thought that uh, Rudy was really fired up and flying all over the place. And I also thought Carl Anthony Towns from. Uh, how much he was talking in the two games to just kind of the smiles when he just shot in the body language. It seemed like there was a little extra juice and, you know, you're playing 82 games and they're just coming at you one after another. Did you feel that and notice that or no? I think honestly, I think they've had a little, I don't think they would ever, either of them would ever take away from their team winning the game or not. But I think there's always a, a battle going on. I think they've, They've kind of been compared a lot in their careers in terms of um, all-stars, all-NBA, all that kind of stuff. I don't think, like I said, I don't think Rudy would try and do something over the top that would hurt our, I guess, hurt our team for us to get a win. But, I mean, it, it just it is what it is. It's um, two guys that are at the very, very top of their positions and... Um, I mean, I think Towns made the All-Star game. Rudy made All-NBA. Um, as always, uh, as much as you don't want to play individually or, or focus on an individual kind of battle in a game, I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of that. And I think um, they're obviously both really competitive and want to win and want to be great players. And they, they enjoy... I mean, you've got a really, a really good offensive kind of popping center versus defensive player of the year. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty good battle to watch. Did it feel different uh, for you, and, and do you like it as a scheduling thing? Would you like to see the NBA go to it more? It seems like four or five times a year you get these sequences where you're playing a team, if not back-to-back, you know, still twice in a week. And so does it up the level of preparation and up the quality of ball? I mean, it's almost like a mini playoff series, really. Yeah. Like, you, it's I, the, the thing I don't like about it is I think it's re- I think it's really hard to beat a team, obviously twice in a row, um, or three times in three weeks or whatever the schedule is. I think it's it's tough. It's you can adjust obviously so much, um, like you do in a playoff series. You play game one and you, you make a ton of adjustments to game two, and obviously playing them on whatever day it was. And, running it back two days later, you can watch the film and, and really adjust. And in that in that span of time, especially when you play them twice in a row, there's not too much that the team's going to change. Um, obviously for them, Wiggins is back. Um, but your style isn't changing the way you play. I think if you play a team in 
September, October, and then you don't play them until February, it, it, it can be a lot different because it's about more about your team and about the the, the way you got the, the the way your team plays, the players on your team. Um, maybe there's injuries, who knows? Whatever the trade deadline, there's a there's a ton of things going on. So, um, I guess it's yeah, like I said, it's it's. I think it's really hard to to win two games in a row against um, the same team on back to back nights. Yeah. You know, I thought one other crazy thing that happened in that game in Minnesota was there were so many whistles in the first quarter and then very few in the second quarter, whereas in the first quarter it seemed like any every touch was a foul. It was a touch foul, just automatically. There's even just brushing by someone with contact. And obviously both coaches were mad and one coach got a tee and Quinn turned around and walked away. I thought he was getting close at one point. As a player, did you notice all the whistles and think, hey, i got to play this a little differently? Uh, this is the thing where maybe coming off the bench it gives you a different view of the game? Or did you think things were going to just kind of – they can't call fouls at this rate anyway, so let's just keep playing? Yeah, I think – I mean, as cliche as it is, you, you, don't, you don't really have a choice but to um, kind of move on and, and just focus on what your team's doing. And it's probably funny coming from a guy like me who talks to the referees – every possession, but um, yeah, I think you just, like you said, uh, you, you get a, a feel early on on how, how the game's going to be called. Um, like you said, sometimes it's, there might be a lot of fouls early on. There might not be later on. You just, like you just don't, obviously it's, it's, it's not different every night, but you just got to, you've, you've got to sit there and um, kind of read how the game's being going to be played out. I think we've we've done a pretty good job all year of of adjusting to referees. There's obviously times every team and every individual thinks that you're getting a hard whistle, but I mean, I I remember having a conversation with one of the referees, Tyler, last night, and I was just like, "How can you like? How can you see that when you're right there?" And then you realise, like, I mean, how much is going on with ten players out there and there's one ball and they're all moving and there's only there's obviously three of them, so. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, obviously they've got a pretty tough job to do. So, um, very happy for them. They do a great job. <laughs> have you have you ever refereed in any way through along your career? No. When I when I was playing in high school, I refereed, and it was just high school uh, girls team scrimmages, and both teams were screaming at me, and I knew a rule, and they did. I just remember thinking, "This is a nightmare. I don't want to do this. I do not want oh, to do this." No, nah, yeah, it would be it would be a tough job because. I think, and you th- uh, like, you think about it a little bit, but you think we think about the preparation we do and the time that we put in, and um, obviously they have to do this, the same thing in a different way. Um, but they go back and watch film, and they get critiqued by whoever their boss or um, the lead referee or whatever it is, and they go back and okay, yeah. I definitely hundred percent will never ever be a referee. I can tell you that. Yeah, you, you can you can referee kids. That's enough. You don't need to referee a game. On top of that, uh, that's enough. Well, I don't have enough problem refereeing my own children in my own house. Never mind ten kids on a court. Joe Ingles joining us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. You know, uh, I was listening to the broadcast last night, and I listened to a little bit of radio, and a little bit of TV. So I got it. I think it was Locke who said it, but it might have been Bowler. But they were talking about the ten new guys on the team. And I was, you know, there's a lot yeah. was made of the chemistry the last couple of years, and you all went to dinner. As you get out and you get in the season here on the road, is there a chance to hang out and get to know guys? Because you can't force that stuff to happen. Maybe the road's a chance to get to know each other a little bit, plane rides and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's um, 
I think it was talked about the last couple of years. Um, I don't even honestly know kind of how it started. I think, well, honestly, for, for the, what is it, six years I've been here now, we've, we've, we've been like that every year. It, it, I mean, there's, I think there's, there's teams that are obviously a bit closer than others and maybe that was, that's past relationships or whatever it is or, um, but, I mean, you probably know better than me. You've been around the Jazz longer than I have. But the six years I've been here, the the uh, I mean, a key part of their recruiting and the the organisation is is bringing in really good guys. Um, obviously, yeah, you want great players and you want to win games, and that's kind of the the number one priority. But you also want coachable guys and, and guys that are are liked by the fans and that, that are doing stuff in the community and that are playing their ass off every game and um, obviously like we, we said getting along off the court and we've I mean I can't I couldn't tell you a guy here in the six years I've been here that, that I think really well or um, when they were a part of the team they, they, was, they weren't coming to team dinners or, or whatever it is so um, I mean that's I think that starts from the top and that's obviously with the Millers and and um, how they go about life, um, kind of treating it as this, this family organization and then it kind of breeds down through the, through the organization. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's been like that since I've been here and this is, this year's kind of no different to that. We, we still go on team dinners when we're on the road, we hang out. Um, guys, I think the other guy, the other night, a few, four or five, six guys went to the, the Utes game. Um, I was in bed at eight thirty, so I couldn't make it, but, um, yeah, it's just it's just the way it is here. I think I think it's a it's a great way, great a great way to run an organization. Eight thirty, old man, following the kids. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm in bed pretty early these days. Yeah, Mike, Mike actually tried. <laughs> not that you guys probably won't really care, but Mike tried to FaceTime me the other day, and we were in Utah, and I was in, it was like eight thirty five, and I saw the call, and I was like, oh, maybe something's up. Like, I maybe I could answer it. I was like, we're in Utah, it's 8.30, he's completely fine. I'll just text him, and I texted him, and I asked what he wanted, and he was like, I just wanted to talk. I was like, dude, I'm in bed. Me and Renee are laying in bed watching a TV show or whatever we were doing. Leave, like, leave me alone. <laughs> All right, memo to self. Call Joe before 7 p.m., okay? He's shutting this thing down. <laughs> Get, you got kids to tuck in. Seven. You got a show to watch. Lights out. All right. Well, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you. You'll be on an Eastern road trip next week. Good luck with that. No worries. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. There you go. Joe Ingles and his whole comment about the rest. They do a great job. No. Joe is a guy, anybody who watched the Jazz play, he's always talking to officials. And he – he understands there's a give and take and whatnot, and I'm 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 glad he acknowledged the fact. He's like, I'm never going to be a referee. It's never going to be me. I, it's just not my style. And I think by and large, Joe, there are guys who complain at referees for complaining's sake. Does that make sense? Joe seems to go out there understanding. Hey, I just want clarification on things. He's not just complaining at the refs just to complain. I feel like. Uh, well, the refs have a hard. It's a tough go, and um, there's a lot of attrition right now in the referee world mm-hmm. as a lot of the guys with the most experience are leaving the league or right now a couple of the the most tenured are injured in yes. fact yeah and um they get a lot of abuse from players and coaches and fans and mm-hmm. and you know it's it's 
It would be a hard job. I ran a poll earlier this week, Jake. Okay. After the Minnesota game. Okay. And I said, is being a referee in the NBA worth any of it? My answer, okay. my, my uh, choices were yes, no, and absolutely not. Okay. And absolutely not one. <laughs> it did. Because you may feel like they get paid, they get to travel, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes maybe that's not worth it. And I, I personally, I get so sick of complaining to referees mm-hmm. uh, when I – this is completely different, but when I coach, I never talk to a referee, or I try not to. I can't say never, but I really yeah. try not to. And even if the kids I'm coaching, if they start complaining, I say, stop it. Let's just move on to the next play. We don't have time to worry about these what the referees are doing. And I, I know they have a hard job. I just get so sick. And they're, they're paid to get it right. Yeah, they are. There's no – like that, I understand that. But it's not getting any better when everybody just rushes them and tells them how horrible they are all the time. Yeah. No, that's that's the issue right there. Is they're they're they have no um, there's no leeway for them in a way. No, and they they, can't, they they just can't win. Plain and simple. So I completely understand why people would not want to do the job. Uh, there are perks to it, obviously. Yes, you get to you get to uh, be on the same court as some of the best athletes in the world. But just the level of abuse you endure, how much is that, is that worth for your mental health, etc.? Yeah, and it's. I mean, I I'm one for. I think they should add um, at least two more referees to each game. You want to go five referees? I for think basketball. they should have two okay. that stay on each half, and okay. then one that's kind of roving, you know, from three point to th- three point line. Interesting. So, okay. so you don't have to ask someone who's 60 years old to try to keep up with De'Aaron Fox on the break. Yeah, I guess and that. call a foul on the and where he can't see it. You know what I'm saying? So, I think there needs to be more eyes. I would be four is probably the better answer, but I mm-hmm. think for me, two that stay on their side of the court, they don't have any calls when it crosses half court, and then you have one who kind of roves between three point line to three point line. Yeah, I. <laughs> It's such a tough gig, period, because, yeah, you are trying to call – because let's be honest – Referees, they're not the same level of athlete as these, as no. these players are, and they're trying to they're trying to officiate a game that is and they play more minutes so fast. They play forty eight minutes. Yeah, so I I don't know I don't know if there's a I play, answer I mean, for it. But it was interesting to hear Joe talk about that. He yeah. understands they have a tough job. He says I'm never going to be a referee. That's not my style. And also kind of funny to hear him talk about that. I'm in bed by eight thirty. Don't bug me. Yeah, that is funny. Mike Conley tried to give him a call. And well, he was like, "What do you want?" Joe Ingles is a man after my own heart. Cause I go to bed early as well, but uh, I have I should to, go to bed early. I have to be up. At 3.30 in the morning. Uh, I don't, you have morning the best job security in the world. Oh, because, whatever. Because I, when I cover you for you for like two days, I'm like, I, <laughs> how do you even do this? It's, the second day is the worst. Yeah, because you can you can manage to get up at 4 a.m. one day, but the second the next day, is the day yeah, I can get that, yeah. yeah. So, uh, But big thanks to Joe Ingles every week stopping by DJ and PK, mm-hmm. uh, and he does a great job. Yeah, we love having Joe on. He is a guy who is not short on opinion, but he's also fun and, and entertaining at the same time. All right, we are here at Stockton 12 Honda, Jake, our home of the Saturday show. Happy Honda Days, the sales event. Uh, they have clearance pricing on a bunch of the cars down here, so come check it out. Um, you can get any uh, – come see the giant selection of certified pre-owned Hondas. This month, if you bring in your car for an appraisal, no purchase uh, required, but you get a two, $10 Target gift card just for Sweet. bringing your car in to okay. get it appraised. They'll also buy your car today and give you $500 more towards your trade-in. And if you're looking for a 19 new Honda, you can get the Civic for $5 a day, the Accord for $6 a day. The CRV for seven dollars a day, and also the two Hondas for twelve dollars a day deal. 
Sweet. That's a great deal. It's back. Yep, it's yeah. back. And uh, they keep extending that out because it's been so popular. So come in and check it out. Come say hey to us. Uh, Johnny will hook you up with a shirt. Uh, we're out of hats, but you can get a shirt or you can get a um, jazz desk ornament. It's a team store exclusive, yeah, and we've these, got them here. These bad boys are awesome, by the way. I, I don't, I'm not surprised we still have them because, what, we in almost halfway through our show, there's still three of them sitting here, so yep. come on by. Uh, and uh, coming up on the other, other side, Jake, speaking of the NBA, there have been talks for big sweeping changes in the regular season as well as some postseason seeding. Mm-hmm. A lot of interesting things to talk about, and uh, we'll get into that. And we'll also let you know what's going on in the world of college football. UCLA just retook the lead against USC, the uh, PAT pending 13-10 to 10 yep. there for in that big rivalry game. Talked to uh, Jeff Miller last week as I filled in on uh, Utah Car Sense. He said that's a huge rivalry down there in L.A. It is. And uh, we, we think we've got a big one here. They believe they have a big one down there. So uh, we will uh, talk about some more college football scores as well and get into the playoff as I want to get Jake's opinion on who should be in, who should be out as of now, and maybe predict what's going to happen the rest of the season. Sweet. So a lot to get into, Jake, and uh, we'll have more of that here on the Saturday show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Go! Welcome back to the Saturday show. I'm Jay Catch alongside Adrian Leiser here on the Zone Sports Network. Thanks for joining us. It's actually a pretty beautiful Saturday afternoon up and down the Wasatch Front, Adrian. I've had some rain earlier on this week. Next week, the forecast calling for snow by and large. It looks like up and down the forecast. But today, weather is beautiful. So if you're out and about, come on by, say hi. We'd love to see you guys. Great deals on cars here at Stockton 12 Honda, our home away from home, where we're broadcasting live from today. So some shirts, some desk ornaments. So come on in, check it out, and say hi. Speaking of weather, Jake. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh yeah, this interesting thing happened today at <laughs> Harvard Yale. Yeah. As uh, halftime was delayed by a group of protesters, students, and alumni. It sounds like, and professors. Yes. 150 or so out there protesting climate change. Now, what's interesting outside of that, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yes. Uh, but they eventually got them cleared out. This game has gone to overtime. Okay. They do not have lights at Harvard Stadium. Well, they're playing at Yale, aren't they? Or that Yale. They okay. don't have lights. Okay. So uh, the sun is starting to go down. That's a small problem. They yeah. were delayed a, a, a long time, and they are in overtime. <laughs> okay. And uh, so it's getting interesting out there in the Ivy League. How are they going to decide this? I don't know. It might tomorrow? be delayed. I guess you come back and play an overtime game? I don't know. That's... Rock, paper, scissors, call it a tie. First Good luck. T- first tie in college football in a long time? Yeah. No, that's... It's not ideal. Like Arm wrestling match? <laughs> arm wrestling match. We'll settle this with the strength of our arms. So uh, pretty interesting stuff going down in the Ivy League as uh, protesters did a sit-in on the field. Regarding climate change. And regarding yeah. climate change. And uh, now it's in overtime and everything's delayed. It's all a mess. And uh, so anyway, good that's good stuff. All right, Jake, I wanted to get into uh, this NBA uh, and uh, the Players Association as well mm-hmm. as uh, the owners. They're engaging in talks to uh, redo a bunch of stuff for the NBA season. 
correct, yes. So the NBA is engaged in serious discussions with the National Basketball Players Association, obviously represents all NBA players, on what ESPN is terming sweeping dramatic changes to the league calendar that would include a reseeding of the four conference finalists, a 30-team in-season tournament, and a postseason play-in. Yes, and so and reducing the length of the regular season to 78 games. Still minimum, not enough. Minimum 78 games, but um, a couple things. Let's get into a couple of them. First okay. of all, the 30-team in-season tournament, does that do anything for you? I, I don't know about it. That one, I'm just like, man, like, if this is what the players want, then sure. But it seems like a way to try to drum up excitement about the league that's maybe not there. Okay. Now, I saw, a, yeah. uh, I saw a tweet earlier, Jake, mm-hmm. that kind of had me thinking, and I wish I knew who it was, and I just saw it scrolling through. Um, but basically, he said, uh, this is good. At least some changes are needed for the yeah. NBA because the, um, the resting has made kind of a joke of the regular season. And also with social media, there's less and less reason to watch full games. Yeah. Because you get to kind of see the highlights all across the league at all times. Correct, so yes. uh, I thought that was interesting. But the 30-team the in-season tournament, what do you think? I, I get what they're thinking because we have seen um, we have seen what's go- been going on with the um, with the G League and their sh- in season showcased events. Yeah, those are more to get players exposure to other teams. But yeah. I, this this coming to the NBA, I'm with you trying to drum up the excitement factor. I'm not exactly sure what to make of that part of it. Like. It's the NBA. The NBA is, is the NBA. I, I feel like it almost sells itself because yeah. these are the best basketball players in the world. I am interested to see how it would shake out because if you read this, though, the proposals that include the adoption of the in-season tournament and a postseason play-in, which we'll talk about here in a minute, the traditional regular season schedule will be reduced from 82 games with most teams playing 78 or 79 games. There's also a small possibility of a team playing a maximum of 83 games based on yeah. possible tournament and play-in scenarios. Yes. So you could have one team that goes into the playoffs having only played 78 games on the season, potentially facing a team who has played 83. Five more games of wear and tear. It just I look at it on its head and I'm like, why do you need an in-season tournament? Yeah, that one's weird to me. Unless you're going to unless you're going to bring like if it was the NBA versus the Euro League, does that make sense? You because they're trying to steal something from um, soccer. I feel like out of this because soccer has a lot of in-season tournaments besides their comp. But the, yeah, like the Euro League Cup and stuff. That's cool because it's all these very good leagues in Europe, right? That mm-hmm. get to get to play each other. Yeah, from in cross leagues, Correct. which I find very cool. Yes, I don't know if that works in the NBA. I don't know if it does either because because these teams play each other anyway. Yeah, and so you know what I mean? and Euro League, it is the best level of basketball outside the NBA, but that doesn't mean it's on the same par with the right. NBA. Yeah. So I don't know that the in-season tournament flies for me. The postseason play-in, though, let's talk about that here for a minute, Adrian. I'm actually okay with that. Yeah, this would be the 7-8-9-10s. Yeah. Yes. They play a, a pseudo-tournament. Yes. Yeah. The winner of the 7-8 game mm-hmm. because the, becomes the 7 seed, so Correct. the 8 seed could jump up and be yeah. a 7 seed. And then the uh, loser of that game plays the winner of the 9-10 matchup. Mm-hmm. And then that way the, the loser of the 7-8 plays the winner of the 9-10. And the winner of that game gets the 8 gets seed. The so potentially a 10th-seeded team could get into the playoffs jumping over two other teams. Yeah, so uh, that, I find that kind of interesting. And also I think the, um, the reseed, what do you make of the conference semi-reseed where it would be the two teams for – 
the finals from that's, the East and the finals from the West, they reseed based on record, I would assume. Yeah, that's probably what's going to be. Based yeah. on regular season record. And then uh, it could – so then you could potentially end with um, two Western or two Eastern teams playing in the finals, which is kind of what people have been calling for in a different way when saying just throw everyone in the hodgepodge, you know, and go one through 16 and kind of do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's kind of interesting. But when you think about it, would the East Coast get up to watch the Lakers play the Clippers That's the in the NBA question. Finals? That's the question right there. And I don't know that it necessarily would turn out the way they want it to. I think the idea of it is actually pretty pretty interesting, interesting yeah. because it, it would allow two teams. Yeah, let's say the two L.A. teams potentially have an all-L.A. NBA Finals, or you could theoretically Brooklyn versus New York, yeah. it, it, that type of a scenario. That in uh, – Looking at it just from a 30,000-foot view, that's kind of cool. But then you think of all the other logistics. How many other parts of the country are going to be like, I don't want to watch an all-L.A. F- NBA yeah. Finals. How many people want to watch an all-New York Borough Final? I, I, you'd have to start those games plus. You'd have to start them at like 5 o'clock. Correct, yes. That would also be the other issue as well. So or I, 5 o'clock our time. And let's, let's, be, let's be clear about one thing. These proposals are still very much in the negotiation stage. There's nothing imminent that's going to happen. The idea is to have them implemented for the 2021-2022 season, which is the celebration or the 75th anniversary of the NBA's founding. So they're trying, to, they're trying to spice things up with the regular season. Here's the thing, Adrian. David Locke tweeted out, if you guys want to do stuff like this, go with a tournament and have these four team pods go overseas to eight places in the world each year to begin the season. And then you come home and you actually have a, a, almost a, a staggered slate of games for these teams where there's actually less games early on in the seasons where teams can practice more. I'm I'm paraphrasing what David's been tweeting out. He's got multiple tweets. Go follow him at Locked On Sports if you want to read more about this. But his idea is you almost stagger the season till when basketball can take over in December, January. You still have the first two months of the season with less games while football combat, combats them head-to-head. Hmm. And in theory, it would help out the NBA. He also has the proposal you need to add two more teams to get to 32 teams for this to work. I don't know that necessarily that's in that's in the offing as well, but I feel like what the NBA is trying to do, I applaud them for trying to do it. I just don't feel like it's going far enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, but at least there's um, I'm with you on that. But it seems like at least there's a change, willing a willingness of change. Correct. Yes. Uh, the the in season tournament, I'm not so sure about myself, mm-hmm. just because like I said, it they play each other anyway. All of a sudden, we stop everything and say, all right, the uh, Who's number one? Lakers, you're playing the Warriors in the first round mm-hmm. of this new tournament. Yeah. Or however they would do it. Yeah, they, however maybe you... they would do divisional start and then yeah, who knows? But maybe players, you know, we forget how competitive these guys are. They are. So how important to a team would the mid season tournament be? You call it the I don't know what you call it, the mid season bash or something. I, I don't brought know. Brought to you by whoever. Yeah. And you can make a lot of money that way. And maybe that becomes something people are more interested in than the All Star game or something. Yeah, so and let, let, so let's add this here. So Adam Silver, he's been driving this agenda of change. This is from the ESPN article. Especially the in-season tournament cup modeled after European soccer for years. The NBA is selling the idea of a lucrative television and sponsorship mm-hmm. revenue that would drive long-term growth and combat stagnation in a rapidly splintering consumer environment. 
here's the thing. I get his his thinking about this because there are things like the FA Cup in in uh, England, and it's not longer the FA Cup. I think they have they've sold a sponsorship for it, yeah. where it allows teams to play for a cup that in a season that may be lost overall for them, they can maybe battle for something like that. I'm just not convinced. But then you win that, and everyone's going to be like, oh, look, the Kings are so excited about winning this cup when it really doesn't matter because the NBA finals and are what matters. That's the issue right there. And that's so We always make fun of the Summer League winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who, when they throw a party because like they, they've won the Summer League. Guys like to win stuff. I'm yeah. just not sure that this would have the buy-in that they expected yeah, to have. I think Granted, right. if there's things built into contracts and such that would give them that opportunity to benefit from sure, it, yeah. that changes things. Because guess what? In the NBA, these guys are making money. And guess Give what? everyone talks. another million dollars. Money talks. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I look at this. I like that the NBA is trying to change some things up. I've been a long-time proponent, Adrian, that the regular season, especially if we're going to be dealing with load management issues for the foreseeable future where you're going to have guys like Kawhi Leonard, the best players in the league, sit mm-hmm. out 10, 15, 20 games in a season. Cut down it's the regular joke, season. yeah. It's Cut it down. Especially and, these big-time stars. Uh-huh. If they're sitting out, it's a joke. Cut it down and, to 60-ish games. That's yeah. kind of been my thought. I know I'm a, P, I'm a peon compared to the people actually making these yeah. decisions. I'm just convinced that the NBA could help themselves by having a staggered start, moving the start of the season back at least a little bit, even though they're not going to do it. Let's be clear about this. They're not going to do what I'm proposing. Move it back into December when college football, by and large, is wrapping up, just bowl games remain, and the NFL is getting ready for their playoffs. I think it would be the perfect time for the NBA to kick up, to start things up and play into July if they have to. That's not going to happen. But that's just my thought on how the NBA could really help themselves. Yeah, I'm with you because it hurts you when your stars just decide they don't want to play. And, you know, people hate on LeBron James a lot. Mm-hmm. For various reasons, he's kind of a you know he's kind of a yeah. weird dude off the court a little bit, but he does a lot of great things too. Correct. Can't, yeah. But one thing he always says is, if he's healthy, he's gonna play. Yes. And because and why he says because I know what the fans are coming to see. And you could say to yourself, oh man, there goes LeBron again, just thinking he's the biggest deal in the world. Blah blah blah. Which well, he which is true. He is a big deal. He is a big deal, and he thinks he's a big <laughs> deal. But at least he understands what the fans are coming out to pay. Yeah, exactly. And they're coming out to pay to see him. So he's not what. At least he's not one of these guys who just says arbitrarily, oh, I want to sit this game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm Kawhi Leonard, and I'm the biggest name in my one trip to this city, and I'm sitting? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, so that, it bothers me, that, this rest management that, stuff. That part of it, the load management, yes, that bugs me. So if they, if they really want to combat this, Adrian, I, like I said, I applaud the NBA for trying to be innovative and change some things. They're just not going the route that I think most people out there want them to go because I think a lot of people – I'm, I'm, and, I mean, and with and not to interrupt, yeah. but shaving just four games off the schedule doesn't That's do what you're it. talking. That's no. not it. It yeah. needs to be at minimum at least ten. <laughs> Shave 15. four off, but you may end up playing more you than could, a previous regular. Yeah, you could, you could play one more. <laughs> Huh? What? What are we doing you here? You might play 78, which is four less, but yeah. you might play one more at 83. So May the odds be ever in your favor. I would totally be okay, and this is just the Jay Catch proposal for the NBA. I'm totally okay if they were to drop it to between 60 and 70 regular season games, cut off a significant chunk of the regular season. Yep. I understand that ownership and money is very much at stake, and that's why stuff like this wouldn't happen because it's a significant amount of money yep. for the teams involved. But if they're going to truly combat the load management era of the NBA, it seems like that we're entering here with star players arbitrarily deciding, you know what, I'm not playing tonight. 
guess what? You're going to hurt your product if you don't consider combating that issue yep. alone. I, I totally agree, and I think it's already hurting the league. What well, is? And, We've already uh, seen TV ratings this year are down. I think it's year over year for the last for five years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, it happens because guys sit 22 games and then win an NBA Finals MVP, yeah. and we just praise them for being the best player in the NBA, which is what's happening with Kawhi Leonard. And so. you, but you also have to look at Kawhi and say, you know what? He's, ga- he's gamed the system, and yep. he, he wins. In all honesty, he wins with what he's doing right yep. now. Until the NBA can combat that issue, I think that, I, like I said, I applaud the NBA for being willing to think about changes, but they're not addressing the biggest issue mm-hmm. in the room. There's a big elephant sitting there, and they're like, what do you mean? What elephant are you talking about? It's right there for you. Maybe shave 10 games off. Each each team loses five home games, and you say, we make up that money somewhere. Yeah, no, that would be nice. And maybe nice. you make that up in that in-season tournament because all of a sudden you could have a you could have a tournament home game and say, oh, hey, we you know what? This is the mid-season tournament. We're, this is big time. We've got to charge a little bit more to get into this, and maybe you make up for it that way. I don't know. But uh, it's interesting stuff, Jake. It's it's a fun conversation. It's going to be the news of the week in the NBA for sure, and everyone's going to be getting. I'm glad it kind of broke today that you and I got to be the first ones to talk about it. Yeah, and so it, it it's a fascinating topic because it's it's interesting to hear the NBA is actually engaging in pretty serious talks with the NBAPA that they have to agree to, of course, via the collective bargaining agreement. But I. I just feel like they're trying to fix stuff that isn't necessarily going to cure the ill that is really hurting them. So yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, we got a tweet here from uh, Still Following. He says, mimicking soccer with midseason tournaments won't have the same allure because Euro football has more regional and national roots for the tournaments. NBA teams are more international than provincial just seed the 16 best at the end. So well, he, and that's one thing as yeah, well. Yes. That's, and that's something that people have talked about too, is seeding the seeds at the end at 16. He's totally right about European soccer. Yes. I mean, that's a continent that is smaller than half of the United States. And you can travel by bus or train. And, and you're talking about regional, and yes. um, there's so much more of that nationalism and regional, um, you know, loyalty, yeah, I, would suppose, correct. I would yeah. suppose you could say. Even in just the... The Premier League in England, that's a tiny little country considering, and they have got some of the biggest, most valuable teams in the entire world yeah. play in that league. So mm-hmm. uh, he's totally right about that. Yeah, so, so there's a lot to talk about. At least they're kind of trying, yeah. Yeah, I guess. This, like I said, I, I applaud the NBA for trying to do something here because I think they understand that their bottom line is going to take a hit if they can continue to kind of just roll with the status quo. But I just feel like you and I are in agreement here, Adrian, that there is a massive elephant in the room that they are like, what do you mean? What elephant are you talking about? Because that load management, if you're going to have guys traveling around just arbitrarily deciding they're not going to play in games, that's hurting your product more than anything else. Yep, because totally. people aren't going to tune in when the star players aren't playing. I totally agree. And and it's proven that they don't, yeah. especially like we bring things back to the Warriors that mm-hmm. we've been talking about. Yes. All of a sudden, how many national games have they had? That have been ruined now because all their players are gone. Yeah. They got one that was saved because Luka Doncic went completely bonkers, <laughs> but no one watched the second half of that game. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's there's a lot of problems with um, – right now the NBA is facing injury problems and star players sitting problems. Yes. And the players have got more power than ever, which they should. They're the ones that make the money for They're them. They're making the money. So, yeah. But uh, it's, it's a really interesting conversation. All right, yeah. coming up on the other side, we'll wrap up the 2 o'clock hour. Talk about what we've got going for you here at Stockton 12 Honda. And uh, top of the 3 o'clock hour, we'll let you hear from Greg Hansen. He's kind of like the Gordon Monson of uh, the Arizona Valley. Mm-hmm. And uh, he will 
Uh, he'll break down what's been going on down there with the Arizona Wildcats. Wrote a very interesting article about or column about Kyle and Whittingham. It, it's got people up in arms a little bit down yeah. there, it looks like. And uh, he, that's, it's fascinating to <laughs> yeah. read what's going on in other cities in the Pac-12 footprint. So lots to talk about the rest of the way here on the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. Weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Adrian Lizer with Jay Catch, Eric back in the studios, and Johnny here making the good ship run. Uh, we're here at Stockton 12. Honda, the uh, Yale-Harvard game has come to an end. Yale prevails, and uh, they win 50-43 to in overtime. Excitement all abounds there in, uh, in, in the Ivy League. Uh, Yale improves to 9-1, and 6-1 in the Ivy League. That is a uh, that's a the what do they call that the game I think the, or something like that Harvard Yale um, big Ivy League matchup there big rivalry other games going on you got USC UCLA uh, Oregon will take on ASU later in the day and of course Utah at Arizona we'll get back into that a little bit later uh, but for now we are at Stockton Twelve Hondo One Hundred Eight Six Zero South Autumn Mall Drive. This month, you receive a free $10 Target gift card just for bringing in your car for an appraisal. You don't have to purchase, no purchase required. So just come in, get your car appraised, and you'll walk out of here with a $10 Target gift card. They'll also buy your car today and give you $500 more towards your trade-in. You can get the Civic for $5 a day, the Accord for $6 a day, the CRV for $7 a day, Two Hondas for $12 a day. You can also check out the new Honda Passport with 280 horsepower, 3.5-liter V6 engine with a 5,000-pound max towing capacity. Come see. You can also get the uh, check out the giant selection of pre-owned Hondas as uh, they've got a giant selection here. If you want to get into one of those certified pre-owned, they're great vehicles. So come check us out. Coming up on the other side, Greg Hansen from uh, who covers Arizona football. He was on with the big show returning as he does every year to give his update on what the Wildcats have. And uh, it's always entertaining to listen to what he has to say, to say the least. Wrote an article about Kyle Whittingham and how that connects to the state of the Wildcats football program. So that's all kind of coming up here on the other side. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.